we go again. Welcome to the AtCast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. Once again, I'm your illustrious host, Soup. This week, AT stands for Athletic Tournament, because we're going to be talking about the Overwatch League. You might have noticed that I wasn't here last time, because I was dying, because I was graduating and doing my finals. And so Renu brought one of her friends to talk about something. Well, Renu can't make it this week, so I brought one of my friends on. So, what is the Overwatch League? You might be asking yourself, it is a big esports league in the style of traditional sports, but instead of running around with balls, they play Blizzard's team-based FPS game, Overwatch. One season is split into four stages, where teams face each other over the course of seven to eight months. There's a stage playoff at the end of each stage, save for stage four, where the top eight teams compete for a smaller but still considerable prize pool. Then, at the end of stage four, the top 12 teams face off in an elimination bracket to claim the title as the champions of the Overwatch League. And that's how it works. So it is, yep, it is basically regular sports, except with video games, because they have uh, branding and local teams for your local locations, and they're looking into having, you know, the local stadiums play the local games, which is pretty cool. Um, they've been doing that much more with season two and they are probably going to continue doing it. I think it's going to aim for like all that by like 2024 or something. Hello everyone. Uh, before we continue forward, uh, I recorded this episode with my friend Monica because Renu was busy with, uh, with her cons, but half of her audio is missing. So there's, I mean, it is kind of unsalvageable, really, so we're just going to go forward with the episode. Um, I'm recording this before I've uh, actually edited the thing, so I don't know how far into it it got cut. I think we just missed the, like, beginning parts with the introductions and the, you know, what have we been up to? But we did cut a little into the actual content uh, of the episode we discussed our favorite teams and our favorite players, and I think I think it got cut off right around there when we were talking about Jaehong, which sucks, but that's just how it is, and none of us really have a lot of time to re-record or, or try to fix it, so we're just going to leave it for now, and we'll just come back to the topic sometime in the future. All right, thanks. On top of everyone already knowing about, like, Jaehong and knowing about his weird sense of fashion and the bizarre hair that he... Like, he just... Every time he comes out, you're just like, all right, what's his haircut going to be this time? Yeah, I'm waiting for him to have that big poofy perm. I want it back. Oh, my God. I miss it so much. God, yeah. But, I mean, you know, there is... There is something legitimately compelling about Jaehong as a person... And and as a player, right? Because they they ca- it had a, a sort of a, a a little mini story about him recently, where they they put together uh, an interview with him and and talked about like how he got there to the Overwatch League. And I think 
all teams should do this. First of all, like all teams should do this. As long as your your player has even a remotely vaguely interesting story, which I'm sure they do at least a little bit, because like you wanted to play video games professionally. There's like, you know, there's something there. And for Jae Hong, it's it's very compelling because he's like somebody who tried to make it big in in another sport, like in another um, esport, and it just never got very big. But he was still a pretty talented player, and he got you know he he went to military service, which is a and this is like a big thing in in Korea where like all the dudes have to go to military service at some point in their lives, and there are a lot of sort of very um imperialist reasons why that's the case uh, america <coughs> marka but it does i will say make for some um and and obviously like i i think we should just sort of abolish the whole thing personally but the the players who've already gone through it have kind of a more compelling narrative behind them you know jaehong is like after i got out of the military i could not play video games i got dizzy playing them because i had not played video games in like 2 years and he was like 23 24 at the time and he just went back to playing video games and like that's not an easy thing to do to adjust to that level of discomfort especially if you've been away for so long and especially if you're getting older because and and this is like sort of some studies are mixed about this but they think that your your sort of peak reaction time uh, at least in in regard to video games, is probably when you're like 21 ish. So if you're older than that, then you're just your time is ticking down. And so if you're a player who who is existing in that in that age bracket, right? All the odds are kind of stacked against you. But here, this fucking wild ass man is. <laughs> he's like 26, 27. He's just out there playing the game still. I want Jaehong to be in the league until. He decides he's had enough, which is to say, I want him to be there forever. Because yeah, exactly. He, he's just such a staple of the Overwatch esports scene, and his story is such a is, is a thing that like almost everyone should know. Um, yes, yeah, I, I love sure. him. I mean, like, and and to be honest, it is important to look at what he's done for the Overwatch scene because a ton of players have come into the league idolizing this dude, and. And, you know, sort of reservations about his uh, meme usage aside, you know, Jonak <laughs> is one of those players where, uh, and I mean, God, I just, please, please, kids, don't be shitty. I know it's so easy at your age, but like, you know, a player seeing somebody like Jaehong on stage and thinking to themselves, like, I want to be like that, right? And, and really grinding it out and like feeling, feeling that in their heart and then like, fucking grinding it out and then becoming a player that is widely regarded throughout the season as the best player, right? Like that's an amazing narrative and and New York really capitalized on that. And I think that's a lot of the reason their social media has been such a success because a lot of their players going through there, you know, have this 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 production behind them and people willing to say like, you know, we'll we'll put your story on. I, I like that a lot of the players at Overwatch League that are veterans can still play with people who are 18 and don't know how to I drive like or pay taxes. So oh I think that's God. neat. These, <laughs> just can you they're just imagine kids. Super trying to do his taxes? I can't. I, I I like it because hold on. I like that image, though, because I it's like if you had if you took a beagle and then put glasses and a suit on the beagle and you gave him a pen and were like, all right, do your taxes. And it just goes. <laughs> 
And then it eats the tax papers. And then it eats tax ones because <laughs> fucking it's a dog. <laughs> what is it gonna do? Right? <laughs> You're asking a lot. You're asking a lot of it. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I I like this sort of, and we're only like, I say only, but three years is kind of a long time for a a, a game to last nowadays, and for an esport to last and to only grow really is actually quite impressive. Yeah, I mean, people will always compare Overwatch League to two of the most Starcraft, uh, uh three Mole. of the most <laughs> um popular esports which yeah. is Dota 2, uh, League Dota 2. and StarCraft. But yeah. like Dota 2 and Dota in general has been around for like decades. So like to yeah, to, to make a true. comparison of the two is kind of unfair. Same thing with League. Like it's been around a lot longer and I think for um, how young, relatively, Overwatch League is. It's doing really well. It's doing really well, and there's a lot of um, it's it's actually I I will say it's interesting how generational Overwatch League has been so far. Like it it really feels like there's sort of a uh, a new generation of of people coming into it, and they're still like they have to contend with the people who are veterans, and the veterans have to contend with people who are obviously younger than them and possibly better than them right and this is this is a big concern um obviously from like a job standpoint but i think that's the case in any sport right it's just that with esports it, the the window is a lot shorter it's a lot smaller but i'm yeah. i'm glad to see that there's still a lot of older players playing like that yeah. kumat's 30 good. dude or like he's kumat about is, to be kumat, kumat is, is like 30 old. yeah he's old <laughs> he's like, still in that it. dude that dude is old. Kumat could actually be a father, like, and not just like yeah. a teen dad. He could actually have a kid who goes to elementary school, I think. I bet Kumat knows how to do his taxes. I bet Kumat does everybody's taxes on the Houston Outlaws. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Well, maybe Jake Listen, does they... his own taxes, but... Oh, God, I could easily see Jake doing his own taxes. I also love Jake. I love Jacob Overwatch with my heart. Oh, Jacob oh, my heart. Overwatch. One of the most... He's such a good boy. He's such a pinnacle professional and, like, the best image of a eSport boy that you want to see yeah. in this league. He's in the same, like, tier of Custa in that they're just both really professional for their age. Exactly. And, like, Jake doesn't even look like he's, like, old. He just looks like he's responsible. Did like, it? You, would leave, you would leave Jake the keys to your car. Yeah, like, and then he'd right, bring it right, back. Uh, yeah, can you um can you watch this for me? Oh yeah, sure. And then like you come back and the car is still there. You're like, wow, what a good boy. Wow. Yeah, and uh, Jake. And he's like, he's cleaned it for you. Yeah, and he uh has given it um a nice uh, pep talk, and he is uh he's very against uh you know the toxic masculinity that is you know around a lot of uh, internet boys. So you know he's oh, just oh my a, god, what a fucking yeah, godsend. That one um in the Instagram post of him like. In like a tutu because he was in a dance uh, lesson with some of the casters, I think, and people were commenting like men don't wear tutus, and he's just like, eh, you know, broaden your horizons, bud. <laughs> some kind yeah. of witty Jacobian response, and he's, uh, he's I, a good boy. Jake is a, Jake is just a good boy. He's like so he's wholesome. just a he's a good wholesome American boy. He's very American too. Yeah, he's, he's a very American boy. Like he was clearly raised. In America, probably in California. I'm I'm almost certain of it. I don't think he's from California. Maybe, but Isn't I do he also know, from San Diego or something. Maybe, but I do know. Um, he went to the same uh very small liberal arts college that um one of my friends went to in uh Ohio. So there you go. Raised in San Diego, California, Jake. That's it, Jake. Jacob Overwatch. 
Yeah. I don't know. Jake Jake looks like somebody I would actually just see on a college campus. Yeah. Like um, learning how he, to be a person. He would actually be one of those campus greeters that like helps freshmen like get around. Yeah, like he he's like a campus greeter, he becomes an RA. Like he's the cool dude. He's a cool guy. And he, he's, a, and, he's and a cool guy. He's like, decided to do him. esports with his life. And I think him being in the league and being like one of the faces for the league has actually helped um, you know, bring it closer to just regular people. I think that's I think that's very true. Like he was uh he was on that one TV show, the one interview one. Good Morning America, I think. What that it was? one, I think. Uh-huh. And he carried himself very, very well. Like what a professional young man. Good job, Jacob. Good job, good job, Jacob. Yeah. God, for every sort of high chaos gremlin player there, Jake really <laughs> sort of works as the face of the league. And like, that's not to say that, you know, you don't see glimpses of the fact that he's like still a growing human being. You know, there there's that very famous sort of uh, clip of him like pounding the table when the camera just happened to be on him. I I completely like I love that a little bit. Like obviously, like you know, uh, there's some questions to be had about um, whether or not it is you know fun for somebody to have their sort of volatile emotions broadcast to tens of thousands of people. But there is a very human element to it, and I think it makes people relate to him a lot more. And I think that it is it is important to consider that, you know, these these kids are obviously kids, but they're still professionals and they're still playing a sport. And it's very easy to get very emotionally invested in it and, and to want it so bad. You know, you see it in 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 that clip of Jake. You see it in the sort of parallel pictures of the the season two stage finals that have gone on so far where you have uh, the one where Super just barely loses with the Shock against the Titans, and then the second one where the Titans lose. And, and you know, you have those shots of the, the main tanks, you know, it's Super, and he's, like, tearing up, and, and you feel really bad for him, and then you see the, this, the one where, you know, Bumper clearly feels exactly in the same position, and, and, you know, hopefully as a reasonable human being, you feel the same for a boy, even though he doesn't speak the language you speak. I know that's asking a lot of gamers, but you know it's it is important to me that that a lot of these these human aspects of of these players of these kids are respected and and maybe not put on blast necessarily but like considered for sure i think that is one of the things that really um i think for me makes Overwatch League feel like sports. It is its own thing. It is esports. It's a very distinct thing from traditional sports, but the emotion of competing and the fact that it's on display for everyone to see and it's broadcast just shows that like even though it's something that maybe some people might not understand, like competitive video gaming, what is that? It's just games. But people take this as seriously as they take any other competition. And for it to leak through your professionalism and for you to show frustration or joy or sadness on screen after a match or during a match is just another reason to feel connected to the esport, even if you might not even play Overwatch. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like last season too, we had... Uh, we had that uh, that shot of uh, Striker crying, and that was like that really strikes oh, yeah. that chord, and it, it it really just sort of sends home how important this is is to these kids because like this is this is their dream, right? Like, and this is the case with any sport, any sort of high competition like uh, area, but you know it it really feels impactful, and you you get to be there for that. 
right? And you get to to be there for that for that journey. And that's like that's the the sports part that I until at this point have never really had to interface with and have never really been invested in and have never really understood until I'm like, "Oh, I I get it, right?" And I think there are like it's a sliding scale of narrative, I would say. Like, you know, if if hockey is just like I don't know, at the at that sort of nothing end. <laughs> I don't know I, if okay, that's I wouldn't say hockey's like sports narrative is lesser than others because there are some really, really good stories in hockey. It's okay, just some of the yeah. personalities can be I see. hard yeah. to attach oneself to. <laughs> I, I like I would say that like wrestling is on the exact opposite end, like on the, oh, the sort yeah. of like you know but I mean, uh, to talk about wrestling, like, I, I never really understood growing up why wrestling was, like, a thing, even though it's, uh, you know, the, the meme sort of joke about it is, like, oh, it's all scripted, who cares, right? Well, actually, if you watch it, you will care, because they, they because they script it, and, and I mean, they only script so much of it, like, they do actually fight in there, and they... And they like actually beat the crap out of each other, right? Like that—that's no joke. They have a lower life expectancies because of it. Concussions, man. Yeah, like CTE, it, that kind of stuff. That shit's serious. And like, Even, there's yeah. obviously ethical issues with the uh, the WWE as there are with uh, many sports leagues. Yeah. You cannot you, script NFL. brain damage, but you uh, cannot script brain damage. But uh, it's I mean, there. I, I think it wrestling just makes explicit the sort of things that other sports are sort of relying on uh, natural occurrences for. And I think, you know, it's one of those take it or leave it things. You're, you might not like it, and but you, 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 know, you kind of have to understand why people do, right? And I think Overwatch League, and this is, this is the joke about Overwatch League, is that Overwatch League is an anime. <laughs> and I maintain that that is absolutely correct. Monte uh, Cristo would say otherwise, but... Monte Cristo would say otherwise, but that's because Monte Cristo is an obstinate fop. And he's also an anime villain, so it would, he's, you know... I mean, to be it's, fair... This is within his character. He is the villain of Overwatch League. As someone un- who isn't even a player. He, sort of, he fills a sort of evil magistrate position. Like, he's he's like if Ben Shapiro was an Overwatch League caster. Oh, no. Don't say I'm that. I'm just gonna let that hang well, there. No, Monty's not that bad. Are you sure? He hosts a podcast with uh, Thorin. Oh, okay. Never mind. I forgot about Thorin because I thought he stopped existing when I stopped thinking no. about him. No. Oh, he has not stopped existing. I thought he. I thought we like canceled him. Like I thought Thorin was a uh, you know Denso. But uh, I pe- guess not. Pe- people still listen. I don't know. Him, I guess. I, he should. No. Nobody who takes anything Alex Jones says seriously should ever be taken seriously. Like that's not even questionable. There's no. There's no leeway about this. I'm I'm just really hurt that his name is Thorin. That's uh, that's yeah. another affront to me personally, as um, yeah. as a Lord a, of the Rings fan, as a Lord of the Rings fan, and specifically a Hobbit fan. The fact that he yeah, sullied um good good yep. Thorin Oakenshield's name with his weird rhetoric and bad takes just oh, leaves God, a bad taste it's, in it's my mouth. Bad. But anyway, <laughs> like I I I think that uh. I mean, some of this is obviously posturing. Like, I think a lot of it is just Monty acting like that because he knows it will get a rise out of people, and because it's his character, uh, it's his character. It's and he's e. Monty. Like a, he's a drama. He's a drama dude. Like, he exists for the drama and to create the drama, um, even if none existed before. And like, that's just at some point you just kind of accept that that's what he's there for, right? And I mean, whatever. Uh, but I will, I will, I will say, Overwatch League is definitely an anime. Because uh, the sort of things about sports anime 
that people like about sports anime, this exact same things exist in Overwatch League. And surely in other sports too. But in, in Overwatch League, you know, you have very explicit sort of player character... Uh, I said character. I, I, like character arcs <laughs> in, in the sort of concept of a character arc for players, right? Like, you have... And and there's a lot of them too, and and this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time is like the the growth of players throughout the existence of professional Overwatch, right? Like I I like that. I mean, let's 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 just get this out of the way. Like let's talk about Defran, right? The dude who was infamous for throwing, and uh, that's a sort of debatable thing at this point in time. Where well, was he actually throwing? Because he was uh, like the team. There's no way that they could have made it to the point, et cetera, et cetera. But he's he's known for that, right? For basically playing Torbjorn and just building his turret in spawn, something that is completely, you know, obviously unhelpful. But you know, in a situation where uh, the team has already written it off as a loss, like you know, you question if he's actually throwing. But at the same time, like the fans don't know that. Yeah, there's no, there's no way to know that. Yeah, there's um, no way to know that. Yeah. And going from that to not only playing in the Overwatch League, despite flaking like three different times and being like, eh. and then on his first game coming out as Torbjorn, the hero he threw on and doing well, that's a complete character arc. Yeah. And then flaming out in stage two. Also uh, part yeah. of the character out, you know, you I mean, know, he was, he's, he's done. So he's done. So I like it sounded like he didn't even like really actually want to come back, but they were like, please come back. Right. And so yeah. he played for a little bit. And uh, obviously like you can, you can talk about Defran as a, as a person, as a human being. And you're just like, well, he's probably not like an amazing human being, but like, this is a dude who was like flipping burgers before he played Overwatch. And burger flipper. He was a burger flipper. And he has some issues with, this the rigorous schedule of of sports and that's i think a valid conversation to have i think that sports is not a a an area where everyone can successfully thrive i think that there's a lot of things that your team can do to support you but the sort of rigorous nature of a competition like that is naturally going to burn some people out and i think defran is one of those people but the fact that he he still tried it and just to make sure and and the fact that he basically redeemed himself like this is such a good redemption or it's so it's such a good through line well if we want to talk about uh arcs and narratives um i'd like to bring up something that is the complete opposite of this arc which is to say going from a hero to a villain and mm -hmm. i'm going to talk about fisher okay all right um, that's what i thought you were gonna say <laughs> yeah who else would it be who else went from God sent hero of a team to absolute <laughs> hated smug faced villain to now spoilers retired. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. basically he like he heel turned and then dipped. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been thinking about this um again ever since he announced he was going to be retiring, which was actually just maybe not even a whole day ago, a couple hours, a little more than that, but basically he was on um, one of the, the team that won year one of Overwatch League, which is um, the London Spitfire. Um, but he was a he was a bench player. He wasn't getting any time because the starting six that they had just had a lot of synergy. So he wanted to move to a team where he could shine. So he moved to the LA Gladiators, where he basically did that just that. He he's a main tank, and he the main tank is such an important role that he basically pulled 
the LA Gladiators um, kicking and screaming into contention. And then at the at the very apex of um, the LA Gladiators kind of like arc through, throughout year one of the Overwatch League, where they went from dumpster team to, oh, we made it to the stage four finals or yeah. to stage four playoffs, he dipped. He He just decided he didn't want to play anymore. And then he blamed the team for not speaking Korean enough and for not listening to him enough and for I don't know what he was going through his head, but he dipped and he refused to play in arguably um some like a the, the playoff like the match. The most important game. Yeah. The yeah. most important game and the playoff match that he drug he dragged them to. So uh, after that I think he um he asked for a trade or asked to be moved and he got moved to where he wanted basically, which was an all Korean, somewhat successful speaking team where he could play, which is the Seoul Dynasty. But Which who did need a main tank. <laughs> they did you. need a main tank. But but now that the Seoul Dynasty is playing in year two, they got also another main tank who perhaps wasn't as high drama as Fisher and he had to share the limelight with someone and I think Maybe he didn't realize how good he had it in the Gladiators until he left, because yeah, I, you know, pe- people really turned on him. Like the the community just kind of went from well, the, the the whole meme of um, um Fisher most handsome best main tank. Yeah, best main no tank. one is more handsome than Fisher. Went from you know this guy's a scummy dude who just dipped on his team when they needed him most, and I I don't know I don't think he survived that i guess because he retired <laughs> yeah i mean i i think I, I think i get it though like i i would i definitely feel it i i mean obviously as a narrative right it it works pretty well like i like the fucking hero of the gladiators handsome most handsome main tank <sighs> uh you know uh best main tank no one's more handsome than fisher i think everyone everyone to some extent was waiting for that to come back a little bit you know to see if he would sort of redeem himself and and you know he's just decided that well i mean he's just kind of done with it like he's gonna he's gonna drop it he's gonna try something else and i think that's probably like for the best like i think he knows better than any of us what what is best for him and obviously if he's you know causing problems it's uh it's better that he's not dragging down the team yeah complicated feelings about that one uh i i i totally agree main tank players are in short supply generally Nobody they, wants to fucking play main tank, even in parallel get, Overwatch. They get burned out the fastest, I think. Main tank turnover is is really, yeah. It's also tough because it's so hard to play main tank at that level. Mm. Like I, I think that there is a very clear distinction between like really good main tanks and okay main tanks. Uh, I, I think that it obviously depends on the meta, and it obviously depends on hero pools and how well you gel with your team. But generally speaking, there's there's times when players will shine and um some players just never really have gotten that opportunity and obviously part of that is because the the only meta that has existed in all of season two is goats (laughs) and where you only play reinhardt and ball a little bit if you're running more dps comps and or if you're chengdu and and winston if you're bad (laughs) actually Winston, if you're London to, and can't play right I, I hate, I hate to say it, but it's true. Oh, gesture, bud. Oh, gesture, buddy. Uh, I mean, I, I will say, I think gesture is going to be a lot more valuable in in the sort of two 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 lock meta because uh, his Arisa is maybe the best in the league, like no doubt, and his Winston is also pretty fucking good. 
Uh, but he's, I feel like he's really known for his Arisa play. Is he? Actually. I've always known Gesture for his uh, monkey play, but I, there's just hasn't been enough Arisa not a lot in of Overwatch. Arisa play. Yeah. But I, Gesture for sure, I think, is, is like one of the best Arisa players. Because people, I feel like main tank players don't really play, like, they don't main Arisa necessarily, where, where you can main Reinhardt or, or monkey. Yeah, she's something uh, you pull out of your pocket for specific things, aka bunker comps. Right. Except now, now the only meta in ranked is pretty much bunker, so everyone plays Arisa. Thanks, Clockwork. Uh, thanks, Clockwork. Thanks, Jerks. Clockwork. <laughs> you ruined it for everybody. Oh my God! Now that now that two 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 lock is coming in, we're just gonna see nothing but Clockwork Vendetta comp. Is Clockwork Vendetta comp two two two? I haven't thought about it. It's a. Uh... It's it's Torb May on a Zen Hog Arisa. Oh, that's that's delicious. I yeah, love uh... I love that Overwatch League meta is dictated by contenders meme teams. I okay. just no no everything so about it. Here's here's the thing though is. Uh, I, I actually wanted to talk about how important Contenders is and how little fanfare it gets from Blizzard because Contenders is the only place where these fucking metas actually come from. It's because they're I mean, a lot braver in Contenders to try something new. Well, it's it's the risk is, a, less is lower, lose. yeah, right? Because the the skill sort of um, how do I say this? The like skill ceiling is a, a little lower. For contenders players, and obviously that's not always the case. Where with a comp like goats, uh, the Vancouver <laughs> Titans, formerly known as Runaway, dominated forever, and then came to Overwatch League, and then dominated fucking forever. Which I'm not actually mad about because I love Runaway, and their narrative is actually one of the best in Overwatch League. But but it's it's pre Overwatch League now. Uh, but yeah, I I would say that that contenders exists. And must continue to exist in order to foster um, healthy, healthy sort of organically grown meta. Uh, mostly because, I mean, where do you where do you think this this weird Sombra Doomfist comp came from? Fucking Element Mystic is all over that shit. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just I like the idea of like Overwatch League being the premier like highest point possible that you could play overwatch but i also like that overwatch league does have this contenders space which is like their minor leagues but it's very right, different exactly. that this is one of the key differences between like minor leagues in traditional sports and minor leagues in overwatch where minor leagues in traditional sports are usually just you know uh places to warm up your new baby rookies who are really good and also play a bunch of you know people who can't make the big leagues it's it's just slightly less um intensity and less um you know skilled yeah whereas in overwatch it is also less intensity and less skilled but because of the nature of the game and the nature of the changing metas and the, the roster and whatever and what have you all of these factors that you can't account for uh, contenders is this very creative space where things like clockwork vendetta and three three or goats meta can prosper yeah uh it is i think it is undoubtedly healthier for the game to uh for blizzard to continue to support contenders and my god please just just make make land contenders a thing okay i miss <laughs> like, land contenders like come on please please oh jesus i beg of you anyway the tier two scene of overwatch is is very important and it's something that not a lot of people appreciate like people who are very into overwatch league a lot of times will be into contenders as well but it's also prohibitive to watch contenders because 
Blizzard doesn't advertise it. It's at really weird hours. Some like, and obviously part of this is is regional. Like, my God, I had to stay up until three in the morning to watch Fusion University play against Runaway. Which um, how was that game? I missed it. It was, uh, boy, it was a stressful game to watch. Did and it go map five? It went map five, and Fusion University lost their first map five ever. Uh, and uh, it was so close. I really wanted to Snillo to win. You could see the moments when it was, like, slipping away. And it was like, you know, uh, I accidentally woke up my parents. Mm-hmm. And I apologized, and I said, well, I did tell you that I uh, would want to scream in the middle of the night at least once, and you didn't listen to me, so... Sorry, I guess. I'm here now. <laughs> um, I'm back home. I'm back home. Welcome to me. Yeah, it was... There is something very compelling about Fusion University as a team that... And I think... Okay, I have some complicated feelings about it, because I think that, on one hand, it is not healthy for your region to be so weak that you dominate forever and then leave for a stronger region. I don't think that's healthy for the for the scene, but also I want to support the Fusion University boys as they as they make their way as a mixed roster through Korean contenders, which is like traditionally understood to be the strongest region of Overwatch, where uh, of like tier two Overwatch, where you have a lot of players who are arguably Overwatch League level playing against each other, and but at the same time because it, the skill ceiling is a little lower, uh, because the stakes are a little bit lower the compositions are a little bit more mercurial. They're a little weirder. And I think that's very beneficial to the game. And it, I, I think it will continue to be. Yeah, I love weird Overwatch and I just want it to come back. Thanks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will say Runaway is a, is a very, very unique case even in uh, Korean contenders or in Overwatch in general because the Vancouver Titans, uh, the, currently, the currently only one loss... Uh, in the regular season against the LA Valiant, Vancouver Titans are a team that is formerly known as Runaway. It was completely ported over. Like, they took all the players, and um, they had uh, been a team that had been doing really well in contenders for a really long time. And the team is is basically, like, Cinderella. They have, like, almost no sponsors and almost no money, and it's a very sort of grassroots organization put together by um, a man named Runner. It is kind of amazing to see how far they've come and and a lot of people who only watch overwatch league don't really get this right because what they see in the vancouver titans is is the villain right if you're, <laughs> if you're watching an anime they're the team that has like the most wins under the belt like if you're if you're in like a if you're in like a basketball anime they're like the top fucking dogs and they've been dominating forever but then you get their backstory and they're literally like players that have been picked up by an organization that has almost nothing that is basically a passion project by like one dude and against all odds they've managed to do so well and then they come to Overwatch League the fucking pinnacle of professional Overwatch and they and people like still they doubt them you know they say like oh, i mean run runaway is not Overwatch level <laughs> <laughs> right? i hate it's to not say Overwatch it League but level. i hate to say it but and they fucking dominated they dumpster forever and that's like i don't know that's awesome and and when you talk to these players about their team manager flower vin and they talk about how much like she changed their lives and how much she means to them like oh my god that's like 
everything, right? Like Flower Man works harder than God, honestly. Literally, she's, literally harder than God. It's, she's incredible, and she worked. She and Runner, who are married, by the way, worked really hard yes, yeah. to basically raise their baby that is Runaway. And look at the and baby the babies now. that are Team Runaway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're these these kids surrogate parents almost. Like this, yeah. these this big brother and big sister who who, who found them a team house and t- taught them how to maybe feed themselves a little bit, not the whole right. way. And now now they live in this big mansion in the Hollywood Hills. Like can you like I was watching um um, the Titans house tour the other day with Harsha and I think it was Bumper who were hosting it. Oh my god, that house is massive. Their house is an elevator, and it, it has a it has a, <laughs> it has a theater. Yeah, and and this team is also full of members who joined Runaway because nobody else really wanted them. And yeah. Runaway didn't have any monies, but they offered them a spot in a house at least. So they said, "Yeah, sure, I'll take what I can get." And that just goes to show you that sometimes a lot of the good parts of Overwatch lie in the stories and the synergy between teams. Because you can be super mechanically gifted, but if you and your team don't know each other well enough and don't connect well enough and just don't mesh, it's mm-hmm. not going to work. Like super teams, I think, in Overwatch, aside from, I guess, um, the amalgamation that is uh, London Spitfire, sometimes to <laughs> <laughs> talk about I mean, yeah, okay. that. But. You know, you you need to. It's a lot of um. These are smaller teams of of guys who play together, and and um. I think Bumper was talking about it in an interview recently, where he was saying, "I can do all these wild things because I know that my team's gonna be there to back me up," and that's what's missing from a lot of you know the more mid tier teams where they have to stick to what their coaches say and what you know they yeah. think is the right thing to do versus trusting that even if you do the wrong thing, you have people to back you up. Yeah, I, I I will say watching Bumper play, it seems like he has no fear because he probably doesn't because he's convinced that his team will back him up, which is like more trust than I think anyone could ever reasonably have in another human being. <laughs> like, generally speaking, not even in Overwatch. Yeah, he knows Slime is coming to speed boost him out when he messes up his charge from right. like trying to flank from the sky. Like, he knows yeah. he's got backup. <laughs> and I, I, to be fair, I think that a lot like you're right that that a lot of the the success of these teams does lie in something beyond just mechanical skill and like the team aspect of it comes from the fact that these teams like each other as people i'm pretty sure right like i think super is the exact opposite of bumper where <laughs> he he begrudgingly accepts that his team is there for him and he always looks like he's going through hell whereas bumper looks like he's always having the time of his life (laughs) it's the real sort of duality of main tanking i i like if you if you look at a team that was dominant last year you see the exact same thing the new york excelsior who were widely regarded as one of the best teams and they're still one of the best teams by the way they haven't really gone anywhere they're still like at least number 3 and their map differential is like way crazy so it's like you know the top 3 teams and then everyone else the thing that made them so good was the fact that they all seemed to really get on with each other and they were they'd have all been like most of them had been teammates for a very long time as well yeah there's and okay like not not to get too like into the sort of capitalism thing again but there is a lot of invisible labor that goes into uh making sure these teams can function and i think that 
certain teams are better about highlighting that than others. Like Philadelphia Fusion specifically with, with Chef Heidi. Chef Heidi, which is basically just a lady in a Moira cosplay, let's be real. She's just she's just like if Moira was like not evil and also cooked food for oh. a bunch of boys that play video games. Yeah, like she's just like I'm concerned about your nutrition, and it's like that's also really fucking important. And like a flower vin period, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Yeah, like uh, I remember some of the horror stories from season one when um, I think it was Shanghai didn't even have personal computers at home, so you couldn't oh boy. you couldn't practice at home and and you couldn't be even close to the same level as everybody else. And um, I've seen some uh, posts about how. Uh, some people had to share beds or so it was i think that's one of the things that needs to be ironed out in the overwatch league as like professional as it is right now is that there's just some basic things that they need to get you know yeah, formated yeah. as federal law for the entire league which is to yeah. say you know basic yeah. living conditions need to be met i think that's 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 probably ironed out a lot more in season two it seems like all of them have like places to sleep a house with a roof over their heads i mean to be fair sometimes some of the social media teams are so quiet that you wouldn't ever know it like where does kib go to sleep at night i don't know <laughs> where does kib sleep does kib For all i know he sleeps under the desks <laughs> oh kib you like, know he sleeps kib a bed and it's not kib's not the one sleeping under the, the, the desks we know that's poco we know okay. that's Poco. Poco's doing it, but n- not because he doesn't have a bed at home. <laughs> He's doing it to bother Neptuno. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. That, that that's true. Just he's doing. Okay, I'll, uh, complete a little little side point. It is a is a new fun thing for me to explore the daily happenings of the Fusion University crew. Oh no, they're so weird. <laughs> I mean, like Elk seems like kind of a normal person. Yeah. And and then you have Snillo, who is, like, weird in the European way. In the very specifically Swedish like, way. Very specifically, yeah. like, yeah. he's very Swedish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have uh, Changshik and Alarm, who are clearly very Korean, but they also are very weird. And they, like, kind of, they get on really well with Snillo in a weird way. Like, there was a tweet where Elk was like, so I, I was talking, I was, like, overhearing the other guys on the team talking, and... It was just Chang, like it was just like alarm asking Snillo if he knew that he had ordered an entire chicken. He's like, "Oh, I didn't want a whole chicken." And he's like, "Well, you can cancel it." He's like, "No, I'll eat the whole chicken." <laughs> it's more work to cancel it than it is to just eat the entire chicken when it arrives, huh? And then they and then they ate the chicken and they got food poisoning. <laughs> oh, no. And they had to play the next game with food poisoning. Was that why? Was it the whole chicken? I thought they were two separate incidents, but. The no, it's the same the incident. Po- it's the same incident. They won, didn't they? Yeah, they won that game. <laughs> they won that game. <laughs> That's oh, because no. Alarm is monstrous. Oh, no. Poor Elk. Sometimes I feel bad for Elk because he's just this normal dude surrounded by these cryptids, which seems to be the theme of, you know... Most Philadelphia teams, period, I think, yeah. actually. Yeah, they just they just breed him differently out there, you know. Just breed him differently out there. <laughs> just, yeah, I don't know <laughs> who would you classify as the normal person on the fusion, though, like the the fusion proper, like the, the regular roster. Box. Ekio probably. E- okay, Ekio seems like a person, I guess. Yeah, yeah I yeah. could see that. It's either, and e- then you know, I I think Boombox maybe, but sometimes Boombox 
like Boombox is, is also one of those super veteran players that like you don't know how yeah. he's still here, but he's still good. He is. And like every now Although, and again If I was Boombox, I'd be fearing for my life right now. Right. Um who's see, coming see in? See how alarm is yeah. playing? I would be terrified. <laughs> Boombox. Imagine looking at this a menace of a Zenyatta player just like fucking go 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 rumbling and you're like ah <laughs> he's coming box. he's on my heels <laughs> because there's no way that he's not just like gonna immediately be upgraded as soon as possible i feel bad for boombox but i think yeah alarm would be a upgrade definitely i don't think he would be a huge upgrade but he would be an upgrade He's an upgrade on basically most teams that aren't yeah, named like NYXL right, and Vancouver. Like to, to be fair, like I completely agree that he would be an upgrade over almost every other Zenyatta in the league, aside from like the top three. So yeah. uh, you know, he's he's just like that. Anyway, uh that aside, there is one more player I would like to highlight, um, just real quick. Mm-hmm. And it's Dogman. Oh, Dogman. Oh, I love Dogman Dog so much. Oh, dude, Dogman broke up with his girlfriend. I know. I saw. That's that's rough. But you know, it seems buddy. like they seems like that was mutual. I guess so. You know, I I I mean, I'm not gonna get into the the personal happenings of of a person and his sort of emotional dealings. I just like that Dogman exists in the Overwatch League and that okay. he is the way he is. First of all, Dogman is is very weird. Second of all. Dogman is a very good Zenyatta player. Third of all, Dogman is, like, the best kind of trash talker because he does it in a way where, like, no one is, like, it's so obvious that he's trash talking that no one would, like, no one would be hurt by it. But no one knows how to respond, I think, yet. But no one knows how to respond yet because no one is as spicy as Dogman in English, at least. I, like, I think Super, like, if Super and Dogman got on stage together and they sort of went at it, that would be, I would pay to see that. (laughs) But Dogman is like Dogman is like the the hype man of of his team, and the fact that he will just take his headset off and shout things to the audience is fucking incredible. Frankly speaking, I like, am debating something that the yeah. league was sorely missing. I'm debating like deciding what day I'm gonna go see Owl because the stadium's a couple minutes from my house, and I, I I'm debating if I'm just going to make sure that Atlanta's playing the day that I'm going. Yeah, I think you I, have I wanna to. I want to see it in person. I want to hear Dogman like trash talk with my own ears, my own human like, ears. Dogman trash talking at this point is so iconic because no one else is is like gonna do it outside of like an interview where they they might say like Ah, we're gonna crush you. Yeah, like the very mild way that they tend to. Dogman will legit get up in the middle of a map <laughs> where he's losing and go cruise the feeder. Uh, and people will cheer because it's the best. It's the best. And how do you not like that? Right, like. Come on. And the, and the man funny. has a sense of humor about his place in the league. He's also a vegetarian. Is he? Yeah, he is. Dog man. Dog man. Yeah. Dog man cares about animals. Oh, that makes sense. Dog actually. man cares about animals. Hey, okay. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense, actually. I love Dog man. Yeah, Dog man's a good, good egg. The fact that, like, he's so willing to go along with the energy of, of a, of a, like, he's an, he's, he's a born entertainer. It's so clear. <laughs> he did that he, one cast one time and he did pretty well, I think. He did pretty well. I legitimately think that, like, okay, he got, he, okay, he agreed to have his hair cut into a bowl cut on stage by someone who had never cut hair before. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, he did it. Come on. Because and he, he made it. a bet. He made a bet. 
and he lost the bet and he followed through on it. So it wasn't just some arbitrary decision. It's is he showed that he could back up what he was spitting out and, and he then, did it. And then he got it trimmed a little later and actually it looked good. So and he fixed it. So um Kudos, dog man. Kudos. Kudos Brent. <laughs> Who cut his kudos hair with, a, with an actual Christ. bowl, which is the only way you got to do it. That that entire sequence was fantastic and like the the bren versus gesture widowmaker battle oh. <laughs> oh, so good overwatch league is doing these like little side things at the beginning of matches recently and i'm here for it i love them i love seeing all of the like exhibition stuff like 1v1 doomfist battles between teammates <laughs> like, oh my god I, it's it so breaks good. up the monotony in the best way I, I think so, and I and I think that's that's important in a a meta that is, at the very least, perceived to be stale. And I mean, okay, if a meta lasts for three and a half stages, yeah, it's stale. We get it. Uh, it is good that we're sort of going to attempt to change it up. But yes, I I completely agree that the the breaking up the monotony is is very important and very good. Um, it's just fun. Like I I love that at the end of the day, like. It, it is a little bit of tension relief from the the high tension stakes of, you know, winning or losing your, your sports game of like, here's a fun thing where somebody who clearly has like an inflated ego for, for kicks, right, is going to fight a professional player 1v1. And then he gets dumpstered because it turns out that he's also like a Grandmaster Widowmaker player. And you're like, ah, ah that's good. Hubris hubris and it just it like I'll, I'll say that the talent puts on a very good show even if their analysis isn't always like spot on it doesn't really need to be because they're not there to provide analysis necessarily it's show um but they're <laughs> there to provide entertainment and and to some extent like they're there to break down what happens to be easier to understand to a person who doesn't have as much background in Overwatch, which I think they actually do a good job of because you can't explain like, all right, so this positioning does this, 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 and this provides this much space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, without getting a little bit too specific. So I think the sort of simpling, simplification of it is is very good for the league generally. And I think that people pick up the slack anyway for more detailed analysis. Like that's what a vast stream is for. <laughs> God knows. Yeah, aside from um, giant uh, brain memes, that's what it's for. Oh my God! Yeah, he has a yeah. smooth brain smooth emote brain. now. Yep, oh, of course he does. And I think like um, what you were talking about the, the the whole simplification of just understanding the mechanics of Overwatch is also tied into the fact that Overwatch is not trying to be the biggest esport among esports. It's trying, I think, to be the most wildly widely accessible esport to people who don't even play video games which is why yeah. it's on like cable television which like, yeah, to it's be on, fair, like abc now yeah to be fair disney people don't XD. own like cable so they can't watch like disney xd where it's on a lot but you know it's it's on espn like yeah, it's on espn i mean listen the people who would be watching overwatch league on tv are either people at bars or people who don't know what overwatch is yeah so like having casters focus on simplification and just explaining how the game works so that someone at home who doesn't play video games can follow along is maybe unique to overwatch in a way that hasn't been seen since that one show that aired in the 90s i think about um what was it called 
it was like a video game tournament show that like crashed and burned and that like kind I've of popped. never heard of this i will send it to you later but it's basically okay. if you look it up it was a video game tournament where they played um cs source which was also an issue because wild <laughs> cs source but um cs source and like a car racing a, a bunch of other games and it would be kind of like overwatch league where it would be on tv but after that popped um the whole esports like scene bubble kind of you know got deflated and you know esports had to build itself up back from that tv point back to where it is now mm. where overwatch is on yeah. tv again which is the first thing to be on tv that isn't just you know a one-off event right and, and mind you like this is not a new thing in korea people have been broadcasting starcraft tournaments on television since forever yeah which K- by korea the way is more advanced in this manner which which, by the way, might be why most of the players come from there. It's almost like they have infrastructure and exposure. And it's not nearly as taboo, I guess, even for like a super kind of conservative country in the way of careers, like Korea might be. Like, yeah. like I there's mean, examples Korea is conservative of... in the way that any neoliberal country is conservative. <laughs> yeah, but like there's there's examples of like people being successful playing esports more so yes, than just yeah. ninja is on good morning america and my mom's asking me what fortnite is like there's <laughs> oh, no. there's, there's more than just that you know no yeah like the the exposure there and the, the acceptance of it is much different obviously like i think there's still a little bit of pushback but it's in the same way that one would push back if you were like i'm gonna become a professional football player you'd be like well okay maybe you should think about your education you know it it is it's very, very similar where a lot of these kids are, you know, foregoing, foregoing the, uh, the possibility of a college education in their sort of like younger years to play video games professionally. And like, I think that's a, I, I like, I think that's a scary thing for any parent to hear to say like, well, I'm not going to do the traditional path of going and getting educated at a, at an a big institution and using that degree to get a job. Right. And it's very risky. You know, it's, it's not easy. God knows mm-hmm. anybody who uh, tries a sport knows that. I think but also yeah. that's that structure may be changing sometime soon because the, the TESPA exists, which is the like collegiate video game league and they're yeah. Harrisburg university, you know, they've got themselves an overwatch league team and there are overwatch league and, you know, video game scholarships out there that are starting to become more and more commonplace, which is another sign of Overwatch League edging itself closer to the traditional sports league, which is yeah, what yeah. I think really differentiates it from stuff like League or Dota, where it's mostly majors and it's very self-contained. I, I totally agree. I think that the the Overwatch League occupies kind of an adjacent space where it's so much closer to normal sports and they're doing a lot more to support their players in every aspect of their lives, including education, which I hope, I hope that comes to fruition, right? Because yeah, like, somebody gives super a college degree, please. So, uh, somebody, please. I want, I want to one, see what super majors in <laughs> two, if he graduates and three, what he'll do with it afterwards. Like, do you, do you know what I mean? Like super to me is like the pinnacle of what I imagine a gamer is like if you said the word gamer and then you like sort of uh pushed aside the like overt sexism and racism probably i don't know don't open your mouth super 
That's what I would imagine Super is. <laughs> like, somebody put it best, where Super is, like, kind of obnoxious, but in the way that he has been forged in the fires of competitive gaming. Yeah. <laughs> it's an apt way to put it. He's... Parts of Super exist only because he is a gamer. And yes, I think that, I, that itself speaks to, like how big it, like, games and competitiveness can be mixed together and, and how influential it is now versus like, you know, back then where it was just kind of a hobby you did. To be fair, Super has been playing sort of high level uh, video games since TF2. So, yeah. And then there's people like Dante who came in from Minecraft. So, you oh, know. I love Dante you know. so much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know there's, there's all kinds of hashtag, you know, gamers gamer origin Hashtag stories games. and some some people are competitive prodigies like super and then some people are minecraft youtubers are like dante dante and they're at some the people. same place they're yep. at the same they're on the same stage they were on the same yeah. team for a long time my minecraft know? boy just beat prodigy yeah my, minecraft Pro boy. child prodigy <laughs> you know minecraft is a viable esport Listen, in the in the uh, sort of break between stages in season one, the NYXL players just did nothing but play Minecraft. <laughs> I watched I watched a lot of SBB streaming Minecraft with like Pine and Liberal. It was really funny. SBB plays Minecraft with his wife, I think, and it's the cutest okay. thing ever. S S so SBB or or Sabiel B is so good, and I think also one of my favorite players for so sure. So wholesome. He's so wholesome. He loves his wife. Just <laughs> he just loves his wife so much. <laughs> like if you could make a list of like personality traits, one would be um good g wholesome guy, good at memes, good at loves his wife. Th those are I the love three my things. Wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he 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 would carry around a picture of his wife while she was still in Korea, and then every time they would play, he would put it on his keyboard and then he would turn it around so we could face the audience and the cameras so the cameras could see his wife anytime they looked at him or like showed his face on the game screen I love it so he much. just loves his wife so much and it you know what is it um it's his wife power that like you know a married man meta that's what they called it married man meta yeah married man and meta. then he has a he has a dog bb oh bb sweet pup i love all the dogs in overwatch league and all the cats especially Time who's cat. Time who's cats. What are they called again? Um, Oliver and shit ass. That's what I thought. <laughs> they, they were actually they were actually effects cats, but yeah, everyone knows what happened to effect, uh, or they yeah. don't, and it's not relevant. But effect left and left time who's cats, and now they're time who's cats, and they're named Oliver and shit ass. <laughs> and I hear Oliver's the mean one. So <laughs> listen, it's it's uh. You know, it's um, it, it's an aspiration. That's that's what that name is. <laughs> I uh, love. It's not necessarily uh prescriptive. Yeah, all of them just have when they show like bits of personality like that, and you get to know them. It's like, like yeah, they're just some kids playing video games, but they're also people that are much closer to us than maybe traditional sports people ever would be, even yeah, if they yeah. have the same kind of tools because. Like, a lot of them will stream every day and you get to know them on like a daily basis or like a nightly basis after they're done with their games or if they're free from scrims. And it, it just feels different to be able to get to know the people on the stage maybe yeah, more than yeah. normal. 
I mean, I, I think that's that has a lot to do with the space that that we exist in. You know, the kind of like it's very digital, very like transparent. Yeah, you know, and we live in a society, huh? We live in a society. <laughs> we live in a society. Do you want to talk more about society, poli sci major? Ugh, please, please. Okay. I've been, anyway. I've been, I've been listening to the um the the politics debates. For oh like boy, I bet wild, that's a time and wild, a half. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's tasty. But I, I, I agree that there is something more personable about Overwatch League players. And I think part of it is the fact that, you know, they play video games. So even though they're obviously very good at the game and that's not something a normal person can do, they they don't look like sports people, right? They're not super tall. They're not super buff, except for Mickey. Tell that to Baby Bay. <laughs> okay, the ba- baby is a different breed. <laughs> baby Bay was once described to me as the whitest boy in Overwatch League, and I was like, I forgot the baby Bay was in this league. And you're right, he's <laughs> the whitest boy in Overwatch League, and my like ranking of super number one had to drop one one point. <laughs> I had to. I, I always remember that one story of um, uh, Baby Bay, uh, li- who lives with his teammates in a team house, yes, yeah. brought a girl um, to one of the team parties. Who knows nothing about Overwatch and esports, or apparently even that he played professional uh, video games, and she like told him like, um, like Andre, all of your like roommates are kind of nerdy, and like, <laughs> what's wrong with them? And he's like, uh. <laughs> okay, so- yeah, yeah, no, no, for for sure, like. One hundred percent, I I agree with you that Baby Bay is a diff is a different breed. Like, I love Baby Bay. I love Baby Bay too, because he's he's like he's, he's like so nice the, too. He's like actually just really wholesome. Just in really addition nice to being not like as nerdy as one would expect a an esports uh, player to be, and he's like he's a, he's like starting lineup now, isn't he? In Atlanta Rain. I haven't kept up with them, but I would not doubt it. I maybe Zarya got better. <laughs> that could I, be it, it. Looked a lot better. I heard you, I, I saw him um, working on it, so hopefully. Okay. But and but yeah. then Hitscan Meta is coming back, so. Oh, that's true. That's true. Hitscan Meta is gonna be gross. I I think he could play a mean Hanzo. I remember him for his soldier mostly. His soldier and his there widow. There are a lot of yeah soldier soldier widow. Part of it is also because they're so young and then they're so forward facing, like they're they're just kids, dude, and like you can see that, and I think that makes them. Okay, and I think this is a, a feeling that certain people will relate to, but certain people will not. <laughs> Where when you see these people play Overwatch, you're like, "Whoa, this is so good! So good at the games, so good at the video game!" And you're like, "They're like, you know, you're cool sports people." But then afterwards, and when you see them interact in any capacity whatsoever, you're like, "Oh, these are my children. These are my sons." You get really attached, yeah. Yeah, but, like, in a sort of, like, parental way, mm-hmm. where you kind of want to see them grow up strong and healthy. It's really weird, but it happens. Because you are kind of seeing them grow up, you know? I mean, yeah, you're seeing them in the formative years of their life at the pinnacle of a video game, so... Yeah, I think yeah. of, I think of like, Gekuri, and I remember before Overwatch League started and people would interview her about being like one of the only professional like women in Overwatch contenders from any region 
she would say like, oh, I don't want to be known as like a female gamer and I don't want people to look up to me as that. I want, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a role model for that. I just want to play this video game. But now when they ask her these kinds of questions, she's proud to be, you know. Yeah. It's it's character. I'm so so proud of her. And I love her. That's like exactly what I love, right? Where you see these these kids and they're like actually growing up before your very eyes which is kind of a weird surrogate parental thing cuz i would never want to have kids but it's kind of nice <laughs> to see like people growing in, into adults like i i it's like being Degri a godparent oh god you're right you get yeah. to deal with like all the nice things whereas all the all the rough things the parents have to deal with but yeah i like gregory specifically is is one of is one of the like people i would hold up as like someone who grew and like matured so much over the course of, of, you know, being in the Overwatch League where, yeah, like, you know, when, when she started, she was just like, well, I just want to play, play the game. Like, I don't want to be differentiated from other people, but now like she kind of sees the value in it and, and she sees like, well, you know, I would, I would want if I was like, you know, a, a person, like a, a small child to see someone like me in, in, in like the top level competition. And that growth is like frankly incredible and not easy as the only female player in a in a huge league full of just dudes just dudes right? just just lots of just lots of dudes and in a league and- where some of the dudes that she's playing against were also some of the, her biggest detractors and people who you know, right, maybe yeah, we're not exactly. directly the people who bet their careers on her cheating, which was a whole scandal in itself. Which but, is a whole scandal, but yeah. adjacent to them and, and, and were teammates and did not object to them saying those kind of things. Yeah, I, I agree. And another person I'm very proud of uh, uh, growing up is uh, one of my orange boys, Sinatra. Oh. Because oh, Sinatra, Sinatra is... Uh, Let's say that he was a gamer known for being a Shitty. gamer, possibly <laughs> quite toxic. Uh huh. And you know Mr. the kind Mr. of person who would um, Mr. One Fifty K, who would uh tactically crouch on people uh, once he killed them, and seeing him go from season one where he just turns eighteen, he's in the league, and it's tracer meta, so everyone's fucking playing tracer, and having that be his only thing basically and he's not as good at it as other people basically and seeing that where he's like kind of playing by himself and getting picked off a lot to where he is now where he's like completely a team player and to some extent it almost feels like he is like because i think he is the most veteran player on that roster uh right now of of the starting six maybe nevix Um, has been in the yeah but nevix doesn't play oh boy you know anyway um, Nevix is a very good player, though. I, I completely agree. Um, but I think Sinatra fills this kind of like older brother role, and just weird to say. It's really which weird is to weird. Say. Which is weird to say about somebody who was like a year ago teabagging people. I mean, tactically rushing. Um, <laughs> but hearing him in the the Vancouver Titans game, you know, the the first stage playoff, say. I'm so proud of you guys. Like, that legitimately had me cheering up. I was like, oh my god! Like, (laughs) whoa! He got you. Like, I am... I am emotionally compromised by this. So yeah, I'm I'm much more invested in this this sort of sport than I I thought I would be. That's for sure. That's how they get you, man. 
that's that's how they got you. They get you with the storylines and the and the and it's not all flashy like plays and and the technical aspects of it. It's it's a lot of the the people. It's, it's the people the that make moments. the sport. Yeah. And and like right, you know, you just get gets you in the tendies. You get tender. In other words, fuck off, Monte Cristo. Fuck off, Monte. Overwatch League is an anime. Overwatch League is an anime, and you can't tell me otherwise. And nobody cares about just the most mechanically talented team. Like, literally nobody. <laughs> I'm sure maybe just you, actually. Yeah, Monty has nothing to say as someone who took the time out of his day to wear three shirts on top of each other just to thrip them for a debate at um, Overwatch League World Cup. Okay, but that was funny. That was really good. It was that was a very good show. Really play. Like you gotta hand it to him. I like as much as I hate to say it, but he does have an eye for the dramatic and he knows when to play it. And he's uh, he's a necessary part of the sport. Is everybody needs I would say he's a necessary evil. Everyone needs a villain. Like everyone needs an evil magistrate a little bit. That's Monty. And that's Monte Cristo. Monty is like the the uh, evil magistrate, and then Bren is like your idiot best friend. Bren is the Kuabara of oh, Overwatch no. League. <laughs> oh no, he is. He's just big, buff, and dumb. <laughs> He's just like I'm the best, yeah. <laughs> but but he also always roots for the underdog, which is like kind of nice. Stands up for the little people, even if he's wrong. Even if he's always wrong, he's always wrong. He's very but wrong. But then he, he the plays time. it up so well too. So I I don't I don't begrieve him for it. Anyway, let's talk very 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 briefly about two 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 roll log. How do you feel about it? Go uh, because yes, thank you. Wait, hang Please. on. For some background. Oh right. Cur- so <laughs> currently, the dominant meta in Overwatch League has been uh, what was originally conceived of as a cheese comp, which is just like a not serious composition, in which you pick three tanks and three supports and zero damage characters. The composition is called GOATS, named after the team that conceived of and used the composition. And that's the meta, where that's the only thing people play, almost, sort of. But yeah, three tanks, three supports, usually no DPS players. And the team that originally conceived of it, GOATS, stands for greatest of all time, of course, used it to win... More games that they had any right to. And now they hate the comp. Yeah, I think everybody hates that comp. Like, there are people who are Stockholm syndromed into saying, oh, it's not that bad. But it's... It arguably drove down the entertainment value and entertainment watch value of Overwatch yeah. And of I, Overwatch I, I as say, a game. Across across the board, um, it, it has gone down. I will say that GOAT's composition peaked in the Stage 2 Finals for more reasons than just the fact that the Shock won, but also just because it was a really good game. But I think we're kind of done with it. Like, I think we've seen what it has to offer, and we can move on to compositions that can, you know, utilize the same things that GOAT's comp introduced, which is cooldown cycling and good positioning and ultimate usage with more interesting heroes. Give me some widow headshot like compilations, please. I miss Pine. That's all. I'm... I just want to see Pine play. Yeah, I'm Pine is Pine is in my list of like top ten players for no reason other than the fact that he is Pine. Yeah, I'm quite happy with two 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 lock, uh, which is that you have to have two DPS players, uh, two tank players, and two healers. Um, yes, and it's basically confirmed for stage four. 
according to multiple sources, and also Fisher Hoop because he's retiring. <laughs> he just, and he like just doesn't he give can, a shit. He continues to be a villain even in his retirement. <laughs> just like, listen, I'm not with this dumb league anymore. Two 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 is locked. It's it's uh, confirmed. Confirmed. You're welcome. Now I'm gonna never play Overwatch ever again. Peace. Yep. Peace. Yeah. Um. I as someone who uh watches Overwatch League more than I play Overwatch nowadays. Um, might come back to Overwatch to play it myself instead of just watching it on TV or on Twitch. Because as someone who does not, who has tried to not be selfish in playing this game, um, just wants a game where I can play what I want without having to flex or acquiesce to DPS players, which, (laughs) you know, like was a lot of the not fun parts of being an Overwatch player is... Yeah, not being able to play just, what you want. Let's just say that learning to play main tank was not intentional. Yeah, like I'm, I'm happy with two 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 rollock. It'll um a force goats to not be a thing that is played in Overwatch League, which I'm happy with, honestly. Um, and B, maybe we'll get a lot of the older metas back, and maybe get some new metas, clockwork, um, back into the rotation. No, no clockwork. Yes, clockwork. I want to see May okay. in professional play, please. No, no. We deserve this. While I agree with you that I want to see May and uh, that clockwork is a composition. Mm-hmm. There are, okay, there are a few things more boring than watching three tanks and three supports slam into each other for 12 minutes until one person dies and then suddenly everyone else runs away. And I think the thing that is more boring than that might just be two people with shields staring at each other, plinking away for eight years. But who knows? But Torb. Maybe, yeah, I mean, obviously Torb. And by the way, if Torb is becoming meta, like, Somebody needs to pick up Mangachu immediately. Do you know but what I mean? Mangachu has been languishing first in um, XL2, which is the NYXL uh, contenders team. And then, I don't know, where the is he Mayhem, now? Mayhem Academy, He's in I Mayhem Academy. And then I think he got released from Mayhem Academy. <sighs> yeah, because they, they did a lot of turnover, and I don't know, where's Mangachu? Somebody find know. him. Somebody find Mangachu. It's his Somebody time pick to up shine. Mangachu. It's his, it's his time. I just don't want it to be um, Doomfist Sombra meta, that's all. I think that's I it. Don't, <laughs> I don't want Sombra to ever be meta, but she's becoming increasingly meta. Yeah, because even I, in I, as it stands right now, Sombra is very strong against goats. And yeah, once and the reason why she's very strong is because it's it's purposeful because no one else is. <laughs> so once goats will be an unviable option and like not allowed to play. She's just going to be extremely strong, I think, which may or may not be a good thing. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I I think that no matter what you think about composition locking or role locking or whatever, like one, there is, I I think, no amount of balance changing that you can do to the game anymore without breaking the whole game and making certain heroes just completely worthless, which, by the way, Reinhardt and Zarya are almost completely worthless outside of the GOAT's composition. Oh, yeah. Maybe we can get, like, Grav Dragon back in fashion. No, 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 no. <laughs> Grav Dragon was actually worse than GOAT's. Sombra meta, I, I feel like Sombra GOAT's is on the same level as Grav Dragon, where it just feels like, well, whoever has uh, EMP and does it better wins, I guess. Yeah, that's... Vancouver Titan! <laughs> 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 
<laughs> By the way, Shax is a fucking monster on Sombra. Jesus Christ. I was watching an interview where they told him to learn Sombra like How a few weeks ago. How do you pick up Sombra and then suddenly you're going toe-to-toe with Ding, the like arguably best Sombra in the league? Christ almighty. Yeah, it's a... Some people are just better at some heroes and picking them up than others. I guess. I, I, I suppose so. Anyway, I think it's good for the game. Honestly, like people say, well, it's restrictive. Like, you know, we can't have the weirder comps. And yeah, to some extent, you're right. And like, but it does make it easier to balance. And also, you know, people said this exact same thing about one hero per team. And look where we are now. So, uh... Yeah, as the Overwatch cast grows, I think maybe the step after this might be to implement hero bans, which I think would be a welcome thing. I think, if you I think want hero bans to... should have been in a season ago. There's not an... I don't think... Me. I I don't think so, because there haven't been... There's not enough heroes yet to, like... Okay. facilitate uh, yeah. having a hero ban because in like I mean, games like dota there's like a bajillion heroes and there's a lot of clones so even if your particular true. hero like can you imagine being a diva player when diva was a necessary thing and you're a diva one trick and they ban diva <laughs> like, like well, it's, it's not possible <laughs> at the moment yeah no i i completely agree with you i think that at the very least what goats comp has done is force an amount of flexibility on players because if nothing else, you you almost cannot be a one trick unless you are happen to already be a one trick for the specific you, thing, right? Unless you happen to be a diva one trick, and even that is becoming a diva sombra flex. So, which is a weird combination. Which is very weird. Uh, I agree, but you know, I think that I think that it's good. I, I okay, and this is important too. Job security. Fucking job security. These kids are <laughs> frightened for their fucking lives. Give them some goddamn job security. I don't care if it makes the league stale. Just give them... Like, if I'm gonna watch Goats Meta for a whole year, I might as well watch 222 Lock where, like, the children aren't afraid that they're gonna lose their fucking jobs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, okay. Is, is House Cool Man feeding his family for? Like, he hasn't... I don't know, man! <laughs> Where is he? Is he How's okay? he feeding his tax returns? <laughs> his tax reports, you know? You like, know. the government wants some of that moolah. Yeah, like... I've, I'm, I'm happy for 222 Roloch, and if not hero bans in the future when they have a big enough roster, then I think yeah. even map bans currently, after they've, you know, warmed yeah. up to 222 oh, and yeah. figured out what they want, would be a good idea. Have you noticed that every map they release is just somehow a little worse than the last one? Havana's not like, fun. They released they released Paris, which is arguably the least fun 2CP map because it's basically Hanamura with high ground. And then they released <laughs> Havana, which is basically... Dorado with high ground. <laughs> mm. Maybe the what trick the here fuck? is to stop doing that. These maps are very vertical and they favor very vertical heroes. That's why you get mobile heroes like dive composition being so strong in season one. And the opposite is true in season two because goat's composition stays on the point. And so the natural result of it is that you don't actually have to win the fight. You just have to outlast the enemy team because you're already on the point, and okay, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. There's there's a whole other discussion for Overwatch generally. Anyway, I think that's 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 all we can talk about now because otherwise this podcast is gonna be four fucking hours long. Uh huh. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me.
So, uh, tell us what you're up to this week. Uh, well, okay, I know what you're up to. Probably at the moment that this this podcast is being released, because you talked about it earlier. But where can we find you on the internet and otherwise? I suppose. Yeah. Um. Well, my Twitter is at half gallon, but without any of the vowels. So it's at h l f g l n. Um. It's I post art there sometimes, but um, I'm also on Instagram at half gallon, and that's with all the vowels, so it's just the words half gallon. Good God. Yeah, you know, I'll get branding. And uh, yeah, I'll be there existing. Thanks. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Well, as always, you can find me on all the places at Literal Soup because I have uh, brand uniformity. <laughs> if I'm on a place, it's it's probably, probably, probably there. Uh, our opening is by Scott Toon Network, and our ending is by Takuma Okada. And also, you should check out our podcast Twitter, at AbsoluteCast on Twitter. And guess what? What? We got a, we got a Patreon now. Oh. So we have a Patreon now, and you can come give us money so that we can make the podcast good without dying because capitalism is the fucking worst at patreon.com slash atcast uh if you join well you know you can um you know uh, get <laughs> rewards and stuff you know you can come to our discord server and talk to us you can watch our bonus videos of which a new one will be coming at some point because we have some bonus content th there that i don't know normal people don't get to see if you give us money well you're special yeah, you get to like, watch it. Money can be exchanged for goods and services, and that's one yeah. of the goods and services you can get. Did you know that we live in a society? <laughs> you know we live in a society. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you if you pay five dollars or more, you can you can access our bonus content vault forever. By the way, that link does not go away. You don't have to do that forever. Like you can you can just downgrade your tier or whatever. Shit, don't, you don't have to tell us. It's fine. Don't tell them that. Well, I'm just being honest. No, but. Fine. I'm just being. I'm just being honest. Okay, uh, and I think we have uh, we have one person who donates at ten dollars a month. So thank you, Penguin Penguin, for donating. Nice. Because you're supporting the show, and that's really nice. Uh, thanks to everyone else for listening. Because we cannot do this unless people are listening. It would be really really sad if we did. <laughs> so uh, as as always, we appreciate your support and goodbye. Bye. We have an ending thing, but I just, I don't remember it, and Renny's not here, so it doesn't matter, because she didn't do it either. There you go. Consistency. ね。